Have you dreamed about opening a boutique since childhood? Maybe you have a store, but now you're ready to expand. Well, guess what? You're in exactly the place where you're meant to be. Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast, hosted by Emily Benson, retail boutique consultant, best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. In this podcast, you'll learn how to manage your boutique better, have balance in your life, and learn from experts who care. So whether you've been in the business for decades or you're just getting started, it's important to get help from someone who's been there and someone who's going to coach you along the way. So head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more today. And now, here's Emily. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Boost Your Boutique podcast. I'm Emily Benson, your host and best friend on this boutique journey. So here we are. It's September. How are your sales? I hope they're doing well. Remember, September marks a really big upswing in sales. So if you're not seeing that, then there's a problem in your boutique business. Why is there an upswing? Well, two main reasons. One, because things that we sell in the fall tend to be higher priced items. Sweaters, jackets, bottoms. That's going to up your average retail. Second is that the major shift in season, people are always looking for new outfits and for new styles and to update their wardrobe. So you have to remember when there's a really big shift, so it always happens, uh, the first really nice day in like April where it just feels so springy, at least in the Northeast, it's usually April, <laughs> might depend on where you live, but it's really when that temperature shift happens. So in the spring, it's about April, and in the fall, it's sometime in September. Sometimes it can even be August if you have a really chilly day in August. That seems to really be an indicator for a lot of people that the season has changed, they need to take out their fall or spring wardrobe, and they probably need to supplement it with some new stuff because maybe things from last year got kind of ratty or uh, they're just looking for some new styles because they're ready and it's a shift in season. So like I said, if you haven't seen this upswing yet, then you really want to look a little bit deeper at what you're selling and how you're selling it. I want to remind you that Six Figure Boutique Blueprint is open right now for registration. There's only two days left to register as we uh, air this episode. Uh, So if you're listening to it live, that means that there's only two days left. It's closing on Friday, September 13th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We close the doors. We start on Sunday. We have our first call on Tuesday. So I wanted to remind you that those doors are closing and that program is perfect for you if you're doing consistent two to $8,000 a month, somewhere there in that range. You've been in business for a little while, over six months, we hope, uh, up to two, three, five years. Honestly, we've had people that have been in business five or 10 years take it and love it. Um, It really does give you a big boost to your boutique business in terms of getting consistent, in terms of having the mindset that it really does take to have a six-figure year. And just to clear up any confusion, it is a six-figure sales year that I talk about, not a profit year. Profit's going to be different for everyone. Guys, uh, but you know, obviously, I would love for you to have close to a 40 to 50 percent profit in your business overall net profit. Uh, but 
that as a six figure level, (laughs) you've got to make a good amount of money to be bringing in six figures profit. So really guys, the first hill you've got to climb is six figures in sales. That's about $8,600 a month. Okay. So like I said, if you're making anywhere between $2,000 a month and $8,000 a month, this program is going to be perfect. If you're doing more than that, it also may be perfect, especially if you've transitioned from a direct sales company into your independent boutique. There's a lot that's different and a lot you still need to learn. So with a six-figure boutique blueprint, this is sort of our level two course, and it sets you up for success, uh, becoming a more established and consistent boutique owner, really feeling like you have your legs underneath you, you have a plan, you know where you're going, you know what you're doing. That is what this course is for. Now, if you're saying, I can't afford it, or wow, this seems like a lot, you're probably better suited for a boutique basics bootcamp, my level one course. So I, that's open right now. Uh, it should be if you go to the page, uh, boutiquebasicsbootcamp.com, all one word. And that's for someone who's new. You know, my courses are really designed so that you can afford them at the level that you're at, right? So for bootcamp, that is a level one course. It's for you if you're new, you're just starting out, or if you're just really struggling to get to consistent months, if your months are all over the place, then again, there's something very fundamentally off in your business that you probably need to figure out. And that's what that course helps you do. So if you're past the beginning stage, you're ready to do six-figure boutique blueprint, you can head on over to www.sixfigureboutiqueblueprint, all one word, all spelled out, .com and get more information there. Like I said, registration closes soon. We've got great payment plans, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you on the phone. So in this episode, I'm interviewing one of my high vibe boutique mastermind members, Alyssa Paquette. She owns a really cool store down in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And I say down because I'm up in Boston, so she's just south of me. And this store is one of the first in her area, the up and coming area. And I wanted to get her reflections on what that's like. And also she's a total Shopify expert nerd. I love it. So she's going to give you guys some great Shopify apps. Listen in for those. Check out what she's doing. You can find her at shopcalico.com or Instagram uh, is where she hangs out the most and she's shop calico on Instagram as well. So I'm excited to introduce you to Alyssa. She is super fun, super rad, and you're just going to love her and please check out her stuff. She's got great, great style. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to the Booster Boutique Podcast. Hey. (laughs) I'm excited you're here because you have a really good perspective and you're, you've been in the boutique world for a long time. So you have lots of good insights, but tell us where your store is. Tell us all the jam. Okay. Uh, my name is Alyssa Paquette and I own Calico. We're based in downtown New Bedford, Massachusetts, and we're online at shopcalico.com. Yes. And everyone should follow you on Instagram. At Calico. We're at Shop Calico everywhere because consistency. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. right. That's what I thought. And then I was like, wait. 
Cause I just follow you and I don't look at handles once I follow people. I'm just like, Oh, that's that. okay. The craziest thing. Like I have to constantly remind myself that like, like say it again, like say it again. Cause like nobody remembers, nobody can like, nobody's going to remember your handle. Like nobody's going to remember your dot com. Like it's so I funny. Can't even, the only thing I can remember are dog names. You know, I can't even remember people. Like I just, <laughs> like, let's be real. That's well, but that's like our short attention span as a society, right? We're like, oh, we remember for a second, and I think that that repet, like the repetitiveness, is as you know, being a boutique owner for a while now, it's a lot of repetition every day, every month, every year, and that's how you've maintained and grown your business for for this long. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. So tell us about, I mean, New Bedford, if you don't know, is way south of Boston. You're not near Boston. You're not really near the Cape. You're not really, you're a little bit near Providence, Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. but you kind of like float out there on your own. And I think it would be cool. Like I wanted you to come on the podcast because there's a lot of women who live in towns or cities that are kind of out in the middle of not near much. And I feel like you were one of the very first boutiques to really pop up in New Bedford and you've, you're still there and you're still doing it. And it's really inspiring. Oh, thank you so much. It's kind of crazy. When I tell people I've been, I've been in business for, I think like 13 years now, which it sounds crazy to me. I'm like, that's not even possible, but, um, but yeah. 18. What do you mean? <laughs> I know. Right. Like, it's like, what happens? But like, I see those things come up on my Facebook. It's like, this was seven years ago. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. But yeah, New Bedford is, is very interesting and particularly downtown New Bedford. I moved here. I ended up subletting a studio space. I went to mass art. I was an art student. And in the summertime, I wanted to have a studio where I could work. And, you know, my mom definitely didn't want me working in her house. So I ended up subletting a studio space here. And I just thought it was so interesting. And there were, at the time, probably like, two or three really cool small businesses. Like just, you know, there was like a very small taco shop. There was a skateboard shop and there was like, God, what else was there? I don't even know. There was very, very few things, very few places. And there was a, there was the campus of the UMass Dartmouth art program. Yeah. And so I started to like make friends with like some of the artists that were, you know, in the grad program at the art campus. And I just thought the fact that there were businesses like owned by people who were my age, like at the time I was probably like 22 or 23. And there were people that had businesses that were like cool with like, you know, you know, they did what they wanted and they did what graphic design they wanted. And, you know, they they set their stores up the way they wanted. And it was in this cool, weird, like up and coming community. And I'd really never seen any places like that, like outside of like Williamsburg and Brooklyn, like at the time, I didn't know that like people could actually like open businesses. Like it just never occurred to me. And I was just like, wow, that's so cool. And that was kind of just like the beginning of how I kind of, created my business, I guess, in downtown New Bedford. That's so cool. I mean, what was the first iteration of your store was in that studio space, right? 
Yeah. So I started, so I had a studio space I shared with like five other people and we had, you know, like parties and we would do like art shows and like music. And that was kind of the first thing that I did was we were doing kind of like an open studio situation. I started doing like a gallery in the hallway. We would have like art openings and stuff. And I would have my friends from mass art come and do shows. And, you know, we would, we would put them up for like a month or two months and we would have like an opening party and a closing party. And that was kind of how I started doing stuff. And then a couple of the girls that I was sharing the studio space with, we all like would, you know, make clothes and we were making jewelry. We were making all kinds of things, you know, like art and clothes and stuff and whatever. And you're an art student and you're and plants. Like one of them would be like, she was really good with plants. So, and we were like, let's try to sell some stuff because we're all broke. Right. So art school. So art school graduate here. So we started doing, we started doing that and we, um, we were just selling our stuff, you know, just like stuff that we had made or stuff that like our friends had, had made. And I was always like, oh, if, if that, like, I kind of took it more seriously than the other girls were like, oh, let's do this for fun. And I was kind of like, Hey, like I could really, I could actually like do this. Like I could, I could make this like a real thing. And the space down the hall had like street front, like street facing windows. It was the second floor, but it had windows all around it. And I was like, there was a guy renting it at the time that did like he was like a floor cleaning man or whatever. Like he was just renting it as like his office. And I was like, if that dude ever moves out, I'm going to take that space and I'm going to do a real store in there. And so after a couple of years, the dude moved out and I was like, yeah, I'm going to put a store in there. It's like the worst, worst, worst business advice. Like people always want to know, like, how did you start your store? And I'm like, the way that I started my store is not the way that anybody should ever start a store, like (laughs) there was no plan. There was, there was no budget. There was no business plan. There was nothing. I was just like, Oh, put some rocks here. And I'm gonna, I had somebody come and like do like a painting on my window. It looked really cool. And I mean, I was like, I was, I'm just going to set it up really cool. That was my business plan. There's an episode of South Park where like <laughs> always references where it's like underwear plus question mark equals money, you know? And it's like <laughs> he's like he's like this is the best business, you know? He like he's like this is how most people start businesses. They really don't know what they're doing. It's always that big question mark, and somehow on the other side equals money. But most of the time, he doesn't. <laughs> So it's kind of a funny analogy, but I mean, you have to give it to yourself for just effing going for it too. Right. I mean, like that's sort of being in your twenties and just being like, Like, I'm eternally optimistic. Like, let's do it. Yeah. I was like, let literally, literally like my, like my like plan behind it was, let me just give this a try. That was like my, like, I was like, I'm going to give this a try. Like, But at the time too, I was selling vintage. So, I mean, it was very, you know, I didn't have like, I wasn't buying into like seasons. I wasn't, I didn't know how to properly merchandise anything. I didn't know like, like cost of my products was very, very low. My markup, my margin was very high. So it was like, you know, you kind of can't lose in a way, but, uh, 
Yeah. So I love that. I mean, I feel like also too, even right now, the relevancy of not necessarily vintage, but it feels like sort of upcycled or recycled consignment is sort of like yep. come back into play because of all of the sort of fashion issue. You know, it's, I see yeah. that coming back with the Poshmarks and, you know, I think a lot of people want to shop consignment because it's like a recycling kind of business, you know? Absolutely. So it is a great way for people to start. I mean, it's a, it was a great way for you to start and just try it out as you say. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then eventually I started like, well, then I moved to my second location. So I got this street level location and once I moved in there, I... Same building or was it... No, was it, it was right like, in the same building or was it like a better location? It was like down the street. And that's where I am now. So okay. when I moved to like street level, what, what happened was like, I was on the second floor. It was kind of like a destination. I didn't really get that many customers to be perfectly honest. Like I had some good customers that would like come in and they would, they thought it was really cool. But like in terms of like foot traffic, it was there was a lot of confusion and resistance around. There were stairs involved, the entrances around the corner, people like couldn't handle it, but it worked for me. Cause I, I was only open probably like four days a week. And I was just kind of like doing my thing. I was like selling on eBay too. So it was kind of just like, you know, it was like fun and it was like, it was working, but then I got this opportunity to do like a real storefront for like a crazy low price. And I was like, well, got to do that now. Got to give that a try. And the thing about like the trying part of it was that my rent, my rent in these locations was so unbelievably, like I got such crazy deals because there was like nothing going on and no competition. So I really was, it wasn't like I was going in, like, let me just try this $2,500 location. You know, it was more of like, Hey, let me try this. This is like 500 bucks. Like I might as well, you know? So I moved the store there. And then once I moved to the street level location, I had like customers (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, well, this is discouraging because what would happen is I had vintage and the vintage that I had, it was very specific. It was, I did all women's. It was very like on trend. I would hem things. I would like take sleeves off of things. I was like doing all this stuff to like kind of make stuff like trendy and cool. And I would just sell it. Like it would, I would have one thing I'd put it in the window and I would sell it. Or I would have one thing, it would be in the window and like five people would want it and it wasn't their size or, you know, so I started to kind of think at that point, like maybe I should try new clothing and kind of see what I can do with that. And that's when I discovered fashion go. <laughs> <laughs> The glorious world. The glorious world. But it's like every new that does that. Yeah, there was like not a lot. I mean, this was like probably back in two thousand like six. I think was it? No, 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 not that, not that long ago. I'm so old. I see. I can't, I've been in business for so long. I don't even know what's going on. It must've been, wait, maybe it was 2006. It was a long, long time, a long ago and far away when the internet was just a gleam in your father's eye. There wasn't that much stuff at the time. There was another site. There probably still is, but I never look at it. It was called LA showroom. 
There still is. And yeah, it's I'm, not as good as Fashion Go. I feel like Fashion Go came after LA Showroom. So I must have started buying stuff on LA Showroom, first of all. And then eventually it was like, then I found Fashion Go. And then I was like, Fashion Go just started being better. I don't know. And then I just never looked at the first, that at um, LA Showroom anymore. But I took like $1,000. I bought probably like five or six styles. I had like one rack of like new things. And people literally like flipped out. I sold it all like in like a week. And I was like, oh, okay. Boom. Yeah. Magic. And then I proceeded to fail really hard for like three years. Just why? Why? Like you just couldn't, what was wrong when, as you were kind of stumbling? Cause like, I didn't know how to buy, like I would, I was buying vintage. So like when you're buying vintage, like you're just buying, like you buy everything all the time. Everything costs like $3, you know, everything is, you know, really, really cheap. You buy off season, you chuck it in a bin, you know, you find a great coat, you chuck it in a bin, you pull it out when it's the holidays or whatever, like fall. And you just kind of buy it like as you find it. So I was just kind of like, I didn't have any plan. I had no idea how to like, you know, like buy stuff. I would just, I would go to the, I went to like trade shows and I was just like, oh my God, I need every, everything, every, I need that and that. Like I needed everything, you know, the whole booth, give me the whole, yeah, well, I, know, I was like, okay, I bought like, you know, you order like six styles of shoes from like a higher end, like from like Jeffrey Campbell or something, it's all coming the same month. And then you're like, how do I pay these thousands of dollars? That's what I was doing. Yeah. So that was a hard three years. Yeah. It was really tough. Cause it was like, I had customers and people were really responding to the stuff that I would buy for the most part, but then I just wouldn't have enough of it. You know, like I wouldn't have, I had no idea how to like balance my assortment at all. Like it was, it was crazy. <laughs> it's a, but I think that's a common like growth problem though. Once you do start to find who that customer is and you start to feel like, okay, I'm going to the shows and I know this will sell to Jane and this is totally Sarah's style and they're my top two customers. And yes. you know, you're working through all that. It is that weird transition point where you have to figure out, actually there are things that aren't working and I'm not seeing them because I don't know how to read my data. And then there are things that are super working that I'm selling out of and missing a ton of money and sales on. It's mm. I see so many boutique owners go through that. It's like a really interesting growth period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I finally, I had one rep from uh, one of the brands that I carried and she kept telling, she would be like, she literally was like, Alyssa, you need a plan. And I was like, I have a plan, right? Like I get the clothes and then I mark them higher and I sell them and people give me money. That's the plan, right? And she's like, yeah, no, that's not a plan. So she put me in touch with her. Her dad was actually a, like a retail consultant and like gave me an actual plan of like numbers and categories. He was like, Alyssa, like, why do you have like, you know, thousands of no, but I had all this jewelry cause it was, it was low market the markup was really good and you know I so I would just buy I would just keep buying it and he would be like you you know he was like you have no tops like what do you what do you do like all you have is dresses like you have no tops and I was like tops don't sell 
because I had no tops to sell. Right. So I was like, tops don't sell. I probably had bought like two top styles and they didn't work. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm never buying that again. But he was like, no, actually women buy like, you know, something like, you know, two or three times the tops to the amount of dresses that they buy. That's like an actual fact. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) well, it's funny because I think that it is somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy at first. Like we just, someone asked the other day in the fashion show tribe, why am I tracking inventory? Why am I inputting? I don't see a point. I can just look around the store and know what's going on. And there is some truth to that. It's great to be tapped in, you know, and really be intuitive about your assortment. But like you said, there could be huge chunks that you're missing because you're self-fulfilling the issue of this doesn't work or this is really working, but, but the numbers, the data don't back it up. Or you don't know how good you're doing with a particular product or category. And then you're like, you know, you're not buying enough of it. That's the other thing. Like when something's working, like, it's like, okay, like let's double down on that. Totally. And I feel like for you, that must be a piece of this, like being in a new neighborhood, being sort of the new, I mean, now fast forward, I mean, you have stores opening kind of left and right around you. It's like become a more bustling downtown New Bedford. And you've helped drive that, I think too, as being part of like, you're part of the, if I'm getting it right, downtown New Bedford, like association. Yeah. I'm the president of downtown New Bedford, Inc. (laughs) Of course you are. Of course I am. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That just kind of (laughs) happens. Yeah. But I think for you, it's a, like, it must be a passion for you to be helping other people now see and, and customers and businesses alike see that like, this is an area that's growing, that has potential that people are moving to because it's getting expensive to live in Boston and outside. Right. And so people, I think Massachusetts is just moving west, moving north, moving east, you know, like the development has become so broad, you know, New Bedford might not be bustling at the moment, but like give it, you know, you're in the part I think where it's going to start to boom really soon. I I think so too. It's it's actually kind of scary in a way. It's like, wow, like this is getting really real, you know, which is cool, but also kind of scary. I'm like, I hope like Starbucks doesn't come and, you know, take my my, my good, like, you know, like Florida ceiling window location on the main drag. It's like, there's, you know, there's actual like competition now and that's, it's exciting, but it's also kind of scary in a way. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I think it's, that's why you're starting to innovate what you're doing and you're starting to host more events and you're partnering. I mean, I feel like in the past couple months, you've really been focused on marketing your business in a different way, marketing the store and then starting to grow the online piece of it so that you have this other location, which we were talking about Mm -hmm. before is like your online store is a whole different location than your brick and mortar. And Mm -hmm. that's been an interesting transformation for you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of empowering to like, actually like, like I was saying before we started recording, like, it's not that I like didn't know it. Cause like I, I kind of knew it. Like I, I know where I have resist. Like I know when, when I see something that I want to buy online, there's certain things that I do want to buy online. And then there's certain things that there's definitely like, Oh, I don't know how that's going to fit. 
or like it's got like numerical sizing, which is kind of like, so there's definitely like some stuff that I, I believe will is easier to sell online and stuff that is more difficult or that people aren't necessarily going to the internet to buy maybe. And I've kind of like, I kind of know that already, but it's like, I just, I put out all my inventory basically online just because it's like, I've always done it. And I'm trying to kind of sell, I think online too many things, you know? So I think that just like focusing down to like saying like, not like I'm not going to put everything online to show it to my customers, but that I'm going to, when it comes to like, actually what are going to be my products, my key products that I'm going to like really promote and like, and can actually really sell a lot of online instead of like one. I think that's something that I'm kind of just looking at in a whole new way or like letting myself acknowledge that in a whole new way and like actually embrace it instead of just being like, I have to sell all of these 200 various jumpsuits and you know, whatever. I want to sell them all online. You know, I don't know. Does that make sense? I feel like I just went on a crazy tangent. No, no, no. Well, and I think the relationship of what you're selling in store, because you sell better brands, you sell, you know, the show me your moo's, the Jeffrey Campbell, like you were saying, you, you sell free people, you know, those are brands that tend to be more fitted. And mm-hmm. so they require sort of that in-store experience, which you offer in such a wonderful way in the store, but online, it doesn't always translate because people have a harder time wrapping their head around, how's it going to look? How is it going to fit? And so for you, what's really striking a chord and what is actually selling online is the looser stuff, the cardigans. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy, you know, easy fit thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think that has been a huge sort of realization, whether it's new or old or whatever, like the online store has to be looked at in a different lens than you're looking at the brick and mortar store. And while things might work in both, it is where you focus, like you're saying on promoting and marketing and doing the Facebook ads for that online piece of it. It has to be different. Yeah. It's a huge shift. I mean, I think this is going to help a lot of people because as we were talking about, a lot of people think, Oh, I'm just going to take my brick and mortar and put it online. Put it online. Yeah. It doesn't really work that way. And I think too, like I was telling you, like I did that really cute swim photo shoot and story and I had like boomerangs and I had like cute little, you know, I had the little, the little gifts on there doing stuff. And I thought the story came out so cute. It had like music. It was great. And it didn't really perform well as an ad. And I think another thing that I'm, I'm kind of realizing with online is with the ads, it's like, it has to be like one thing. Like I have to be like, I can't be like, look at all these great dresses. I have to be like, look at this dress. It's blue. You need it. This is why you need it. And like, that's the ad, like not like all of the dresses, but the one dress that I want you to buy, which seems really like to me, just because I'm like, I have so many dresses and I want people to see the array of my, of my dresses. You know, I think that's kind of how I've been like going into it. Like, look at all these options, these beautiful options. But I feel like that's kind of overwhelming to people online. Yeah. And I think looking at your store from the perspective of a customer is something we don't do as often as we should. Like, are we giving too many choices that, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just yeah. going to close the. That's how I feel like, in ASOS. Yeah. 
I love ASOS, but like, but like, I never feel like I'm done. <laughs> like I'm like browsing through the shoes and it's like a lot of times, unless I really am specifically looking, like I need to buy shoes to go with something and I'm really like, okay, I'm going to order shoes right now. If I'm just browsing on ASOS, I never feel like I'm finished looking because it goes, it scrolls forever and I kind of don't, then I don't buy anything or I add like $7,000 worth of products to my car. And then I'm like, Oh God, forget it. Buy abandoned card. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's true. I mean, here's the thing. I think that what we have to look at as boutique owners is truly who's shopping us online versus who's shopping us in store. And while we, you know, we know, as you said before, the website is a marketing piece for the store. You know, people are going there to check out what you're doing, but at the same time, the goal of the website is to make money and to sell things. And so the intention behind it needs to match the plan for the marketing and the assortment choices and all that too. It has to, it has to marry at some point. And that's, I think a lot of people don't get that. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole nother It's a whole nother store. It literally is. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. literally a whole nother store. Yeah. What has worked for you with the website in terms of, you know, apps, you use Shopify, which you love mm-hmm. Shopify, love hate relationship as we all do, with Shopify, <laughs> but like you, I feel like are kind of an app queen on Shopify. So like, let's shout out some of your favorite like oh, okay. apps. Let, let me like pull this up so I'll know what the name of it is. Because they were always asking me about this, and I'm like, we gotta ask Alyssa because she has done the research. Oh my god, I literally have no life. My interest in apps is what is my life? Borderline obsessive. Yeah, like if you saw my phone, like seriously, I'll download anything. I'm like, what? That that makes new like story graphics for your like Instagram stories. I will download that. Got like twelve of those. Okay. So for my apps, I'll tell you the best one that I've done recently with the absolute, I mean, outrageously good customer service is, where is it? It's Farah.ai. And the app is called Social Proof and Urgency. And it's F-E-R-A dot A-I. And the great thing about it is they give you like a long free trial. It's probably kind of expensive when it gets to the end of the free trial. But the great thing about it is it has a lot of apps in one, which I love because like if you, you know, and I'm sure like all of your listeners have played with Shopify and like, you know, played with the app store and you're always like looking for like this app to do this and this app to do that. And like every app is like, $9.99 or like 20 bucks a month or like, well, some of them are free, but then they don't do exactly what you want. The great thing about this one is that it actually does like several like actions. Like it does several, they call it something like triggers or something, but it'll make um, a little thing that says on the category page, like, like hot item, only one left. I love that. And you can change what it says to like make it you know, to fit more with your particular branding and whatnot. And then it'll do, it also does like a, um, 
it does like a countdown. It does like a shipping countdown. Like it has these little urgency things. It does. It does the little thing. That's like another person bought this. Like it gives little bubbles that pop up. It just does like a few different really useful things that like are really, really easy to integrate. And it's not like one of these things where like, I've put stuff on my site before where it's like so hard to like integrate it. And then you've got to like email them and be like, can you please help me integrate this like PHP code? And it takes like a week for them to even, you know, do it. This one's really easy. I just, I love it. And then what else do I have on here? Wait, one second. So that one is all about urgency to the website because that's something that gets customers to buy more often is like, the countdowns, the hot items, the this yep. person, the third-party validation, these people popping up. So if this is something that you don't have on your website and you're listening to this, it's a great first or second app ad, I think, because I know for me, booking.com always lies to me when I'm booking a hotel. <laughs> like, there's only two rooms left, one room. And then you actually click in, you're like, there's like seven rooms left. <laughs> But I always feel like I need to book a room because I won't get it, you know? And yeah. so that, that FOMO, we have to trigger that in customers because it does actually, it results prove that it does help people convert. So it's an app that, that will help convert, hopefully, if you're sending enough traffic to your site. Yeah, that's I the best that. one I've done in a while. I don't, and then like other ones I have like, um, I don't know. I have like other ones that are just like boring. I, you know, I link it to my point of sale. I've got like, I've got like some like subscribe, you know, those like the things that pop up and say like, join our email list. I've got that, but there's so many, I feel like all of the ones that do the email list work pretty well. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all all the same thing. Yeah. I love that. So Shopify and then in store, I mean, what have you, cause I do think that there are a lot of brick and mortar friends listening, you know, what are some things in store that you over the years have found bring customers in that's working? I mean, I know you're big on Instagram stories, big on Instagram, but are there any other tips that you could give someone who's like really new and just trying to get traffic in their brick and mortar that are simple things I would say do like a loyalty program for sure. We've had a lot of success with that and you just kind of reward them like based on how much money they spend. So once they reach a certain point of spending, then they would get like a little kickback. So either like a discount or a percentage off. And then we actually do like follow-ups with our best, like we'll send little thank you notes and like little like Starbucks cards, like for our best customers. Like if you come in and you, you know, you, you spend a lot with us. We want to kind of just show that we like appreciate you with no, I really like sending like a Starbucks card because there's no strings attached. It's not like, Oh, come back. Or, I mean, obviously I want them to come back, but it's just like, Oh, like here's a coffee. Like it's not with like an expectation of like them having to come back in and buy more. It's just purely like a thank you. Here's, you know, a coffee for you. Let us buy you a coffee. But I think rewarding those like top customers, I think with retail, like it's really easy to get discouraged by like, let's be real. Like you're dealing with the public and you're going to have some cranky pants coming in your door. You're going to have some people telling you that, you know, giving you bad attitude, telling you your things are too expensive or whatever. And it's really easy to get like bummed out by like, 
those types of customers. So I feel like when you have those really good customers, just keeping that relationship with them and rewarding them for coming back and, you know, maintaining that relationship is like key because they're going to come back and then they're going to tell their friends who probably aren't cranky pants, you know, like people that are going to be your customer as well. Yeah. Cultivating, bringing back more of that, like ideal, really fun customer for sure. They have friends that are your ideal customers too. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's like the best way, that's the way that we've really been able to like kind of grow that good kind of like customer base is just by referrals of people that really, really like us that shop with us all the time. And then they bring their friends in or they bring their sister in or they bring their daughters in or whatever. And it just kind of grows from there. Such good tips. I love it. And and easy. Like it doesn't have to be hard. It can be, I think a lot of new owners think we have to make things complicated or we have to do all this fancy schmancy stuff. And really it's the simple like thank yous and gratitude that really get people coming back. Absolutely. I mean, even just doing like the thank you card, or even if you're not even there yet, just get their email and do like a thank you email. If you, you know, are intimidated by setting up the loyalty program, I mean, just doing something as simple as that is, is people love that. They really appreciate that. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to wrap up, but I feel like you must have one like pearl, like shiny pearl of wisdom that from your years and experiences and your ups and downs and like, you know, what are, what would you tell that boutique owner who's three months, a year, <laughs> two years in, like, come on, like, oh what, what do you have? I feel like you got something in your back pocket. Uh, get on your Instagram stories. Uh, this is what I'm my neighbors now that I have like one of them, I keep telling her, I'm like, get on your Instagram stories because I just feel like that's, what's really gonna, you know, being consistent with your social media. Like, even if you feel like nobody's watching it, like people are watching it and new people are going to find it and you can do little story highlights and you can just talk about the same thing over and over again if you have to, but it's like, you've got to be on there and, and it doesn't have to be again, like, that's another thing. I think people think it has to look perfect and be so complicated. And it's not really like, it doesn't have to be like, you can, you can go crazy and you can download the 17, you know, creative story panel apps that I have. But at the end of the day, I think people really want to see just like real behind the scenes content of like, look at this, you know, thing I just got in. And I really love it. And then you tell them why it's like really, really simple. Yeah. So good. Consistency on social media. Don't make it complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. I love it. So if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram, they should go to at shop Calico, watch all your stories. You do a fantastic job. You have really rad employees who support you and it's just fun to hear your experience. I feel like more people should do what you're doing because you're a good role model for a lot of new boutiques. Aw, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Emily. It's true. You, you do a great job. And I think, you know, you are a testament to lately. I've just been saying like patience and consistency, consistency and patience. And I think you 
you're proof of that. You know, it's, you don't stay in a business for a long time because you get frustrated and hide in a corner, you know, so you just keep showing up. You gotta, you gotta show up. I think when you're getting frustrated, that's the time where you got to show up even more. Yes. I'm telling you, like. Work through it. You got to. Did you love this episode as much as I did? Head over to iTunes and rate and review the Boost Your Boutique podcast so more amazing and creative boutique owners like you can find out about it. And don't forget, head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more. Have you been waiting to join Six Figure Boutique Blueprint? I bet you have. Guess what? Doors are opening very soon. Six Figure Blueprint, if you haven't heard about it, is my 12-week signature course. It is the one that transforms people's lives, transforms their businesses, and it's coming back for the last time this year. This is the last time we're offering it. I have a lot of great bonuses when you sign up, but this course is for you. Number one, if you've taken Boutique Basics Bootcamp, you are ready for Blueprint, okay? I want you to know that. Or... If you have a boutique business where you're making anywhere between two to three and $12,000 a month and you're ready to go to the next level, Six Figure Blueprint is for you. It's the advanced level two course that I teach. So it's going to go deeper into mindset. We're going to go through a lot of specific marketing things, social selling, inventory management, Facebook ads. Yes, this is where I teach Facebook ads. It's 12 weeks with me and it's going to completely transform your business so that you move into the fall and holiday season set up and ready to go to make a lot of money, make a lot of friends, and finally have the boutique business that you've always dreamed and wanted. I hope to see you inside. The website to sign up either for the course is www.sixfigureboutiqueblueprint.com. The doors are only open for a week and then we shut them and we're closed. I hope to see you inside. This is my favorite course. I love teaching it. See you there.